It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery's show. Hanging out here on this Monday evening. Going to take it till 9.30. Then we'll hand it off to pregame coverage of the Atlanta Hawks. They're in Portland tonight. First of this five-game road trip that they are out west for. All the non-California teams that they are going to play. Um, so they play Utah and Denver and all the non-California teams uh, out there. Uh, 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMCH316. Day Day producing the show. This is your night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So Ryan Nielsen uh, quickly made his way out to Las Vegas as the uh, some of the Falcons coaches are out there for the East-West Shrine game. So we got the East-West Shrine game starting up. We got the Senior Bowl uh, is cranked up uh, this week and ready to go. So uh, it's going to be a busy evaluation week for the Atlanta Falcons. And, um, you know, they... They will be involved in, in both of those uh, things out there. I think Charles London is coaching um, on the on the staff of the one of the senior bowl teams. So Falcons will be all over it, and um, you know we'll uh, we'll see who comes out of this thing. You know, looking good and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's always more about the practice with these uh, games, these these you know exhibition games. It's always more about the week of practice leading up to. The actual game itself. Yes, you can look good in the game and different things and, you know, help yourself out. But the way you practice all through the week, especially some of the offensive and defensive linemen, the way you practice all through the week really grabs the attention of these coaching staffs. So, And the uh, Senior Bowl did it a little bit different this year where they didn't have an entire NFL staff that was coaching. They, they mixed up coaches from several different teams uh, to coach. So Charles London is part of the coaching staff for one of the teams that's out there. So we got the new cap number. I think it's $224.8 million uh, for this season. So the cap number is a little bit on the higher end of where people thought it would be. But with that, the Falcons will have, as of now, $56 $56 million in money to spend. Now, that's just a dollar or two less than, you know, Freaky's projection of $100 million, But um, anyway, so if they cut Marcus Mariota, which that's what, that will definitely happen, okay, they'll pick up $12 million on the cap. So he's got $12 million. So you could theoretically get to about $70 million when all is said and done because – if Casey Hayward decides to retire, there's been some rumblings about that, that, you know, coming off injury, that he may be retiring. Mariota's going to be cut. You know, you could be up to about $70 million. Now, with all the pieces that the Falcons have to sign, though, and you're going to give Chris Lindstrom a contract. And Chris Lindstrom ain't going to go. I'm, Chris Lindstrom, I don't believe, is going to walk into his free agent year and just you know, just kind of fly by the wayside. He's just not, you know, he's got his fifth-year option, but he's just not going to 
he's going to get his long-term extension. But, you know, if it's, you know, Caleb McGarry that you have to sign, we know that the cap number for uh, Jake Matthews goes up this year. And, again, you've got to sign a whole bunch of guys. If you want to keep Rashawn Evans and some of these other guys, you have to re-sign them. You know, if you want to keep Isaiah Oliver, you have to re-sign him. And those guys, you know, say what you will, but they probably get boosts from from where they are. Now, certainly Isaiah Oliver doesn't get much of a boost, but, you know, everybody gets everybody gets a little piece of that pie. So that number will dwindle very, very quickly. So, yes, I do think you can afford to have a splashy free agent signing or two, but it's not like we're going to go out and rebuild the entire roster you know with all the cap money that that we have and again it's not a hundred million dollars I mean you know that number was floated around just like just like one just like one um, publication said that the Falcons were going to win two games you know we've bought into oh anyway so. for the record it was more than one publication thank you it was <laughs> yeah what, what, well, more, what? well it was more than one person we'll put it that way we won't put it on the one publication there were a lot of people that felt that there'd only be two games won in atlanta well who okay so usa today then who else oh geez man now you're gonna make me go back but i know there were several people out there with their because i mean the vegas the vegas betting line was four and a half yeah yeah so i you know again um either way it goes they won more games than well yeah these are all the all the what do you like to call them well yeah but but again (laughs) with all due respect the ability, I mean, two and fifteen is as hard as going fifteen and two in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like if you're two and fifteen, you are the dregs of the universe, and no amount of cap space and no eighth pick of the draft, nothing can fix that. Like you are the dregs of the universe if you're two and fifteen. Like you can't fix that in a year or two. So that's why I never bought that. I said they'd win six games. They won seven. I told you they'd win seven games last year. They won seven. So, again, listen to Chuckery. Here's the rule, Day-Day. Always listen to Chuckery. I've I've learned that. In my short time here, I've learned that very quickly. All right. Here's a mock draft from uh, Trevor uh, Sikema of Pro Football Focus. So – He's got the Texans with Bryce Young at number one, Jalen Carter to the Bears at two, Will Anderson to the Cardinals at three, Will Levis to the Colts at four. Uh, The Seahawks and Broncos make a trade. Tyree Wilson goes to the Seahawks at five. Devin Witherspoon, the linebacker out of Illinois, he goes to the Detroit Lions at six. The Raiders get the linemen uh, from Northwestern. And then the Falcons pick and... Again, C.J. Stroud is picked number nine in this mock. So he goes to Carolina at number nine. That's the one guy that if he's there at eight, I'm very intrigued by. But the Atlanta Falcons select cornerback slash safety Brian Branch out of Alabama. Though the Falcons' top need on defense is along the defensive line, I'm not as high on the defensive line talent in this class as it seems others are. Falcons and general manager Terry Fontenot are committed to building the team the right way. That means not forcing picks at positions of need and instead drafting players that they believe will be important contributors, uh, potential second contract players. Brian Branch has that potential. 
Hey, didn't we hear that, you know, oh, Micah Parsons was too high to pick at four? Didn't I hear that nonsense? Oh. Oh, is he the defensive player of the year, the ultimate game wrecker? The closest thing to Lawrence Taylor? Oh, okay. That that whole paragraph is dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. As a hybrid defensive back who's put both safety and nickel defender, Branch was an elite run defender, an elite coverage guy while missing just three tackles over uh, on over 600 run defense. Okay, so another guy that would stand 10 or 12 yards away from where the point of the football is. When the football's placed on the ground, another guy who stands 10 or 12 yards away. Great. You know, again, best player available, right? How about how about George Karloftis last year? You know, like a lot of people weren't high on him, and he had six sacks for the Chiefs. He played well in the playoffs. Oh, and he finished with the second most sacks and second most pressures by a rookie defender. Can we use one of those guys? Could could our roster benefit from having a guy who finished with the second most sacks as a rookie, second most quarterback pressures as a rookie? Could we use any of those guys? Huh? Could could we just benefit slightly from all of those guys? Instead, we're talking about taking guys that are 10, 12 yards away from where the football is placed on the ground. Anyway. All right. The Falcoholic has an article uh, up here on uh, online, uh, and it's, been a, it's, been, it's by my buddy Aaron Freeman. Uh, he's part of the Locked On Network as well. And they kind of go through some of the things about where the Falcons could go from quarterback. And, and I went into detail on this last week. And... Aaron writes about the idea of they could have Marcus Mariota return as a backup. Okay, I I am more likely to be the backup quarterback for the Falcons than Marcus Mariota. Okay, they'll reach out to Chuckery, heart attack, stroke, and all. Okay, to be the backup quarterback before Marcus Mariota is the backup quarterback. Then they they float out a couple of other names. Chase Daniel, nah, I'm not on him. Trubisky, nope, I'm not on him. Then they bring up the name that I brought last week, Jacoby Brissett. Now, yes, it's going to cost you some money, but he can start, he can back up, and more than Trubisky or Chase Daniel, he can push Desmond Ritter that you don't just automatically hand the job over to him you make it a competition as to who wins out. Now, Jacoby Brissett is no long-term answer. But I've got to push Desmond Ritter. I've got to push him to be the starter on this team. And then, obviously, they they make the reference of going back into the draft to go get your quarterback. And they say that past preferences suggest that Will Levis might be the Falcons' top target. Well, first off, If he's their top target, that means at number eight, they're drafting a quarterback. Okay? So you're not going to get Levis in the third, fourth, fifth. You're not going to get him anywhere but eight. 
Now, I'm not for that. Again, I stood right next to Will Levis, okay? Day-day, I was closer to Will Levis than I was you, okay? And he looks like Bo Callahan from the movie Draft Day. And he's got the look. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He's got everything working for him. Again, if you draw, drew out on paper a quarterback, it'd be Will Levis. But I think he's plays like, uh, or he's he looks like Tarzan and plays like Jane, because he didn't do enough for that roster. And yes, I know their offensive line wasn't as good, their weapons weren't as good, but they were a still a really good running team. And he was very just kind of meh for all of that. And then they say about the idea of um, that they they could go in the draft and get some other quarterbacks. They mentioned Hendon Hooker and some guys like that. That's exactly what I said last week. If I'm looking for a quarterback, I could, I could live with a day three quarterback pick of Des- or, um, Hendon Hooker, uh, Jake Hayner. Like, I could live with one of those guys. But unless I'm getting Stroud, I don't I don't want any of those other guys. Like I want Stroud if 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 I can get him at eight, I could I I would I would be open to drafting CJ Stroud right there. I'm not saying I'd do it. I have to think about it, but I'm open to drafting CJ Stroud at number eight. He's got the arm, he's got the accuracy. He's got the mobility. He's got everything that you could want. And, oh, yeah, he's played in, you know, a big game or two, you know, in his collegiate career. You know, he's he's played against some top flight competition in his career, including, you know, the University of Georgia in in that whale of a playoff game. That maybe is maybe the best game I've ever seen in college football. And I'm an old guy, Day-Day. I'm old and broken down and barely hanging in there, but – that may have been the best college football game I, I witnessed. Uh, got to see, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, in, in front of me. So, um, but I just, you know, I, I think that you have to have a guy that pushes Desmond Ritter. You know, you sign a veteran backup that could put Chase Daniel isn't pushing Desmond Ritter. Okay, if I've got Chase Daniel as my backup, that's because. 40 other guys either turned me down or got hurt. Uh, just uh, in all honesty. So we'll see what happens there. All right. Coming up next, UGA won't have to look for an OC if they need one. OCs will come to them. Chuck Ray here in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 910 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio and 829, the game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Key Studios on this Monday evening. Take it till 930. We'll hand it off to Hawks basketball at that point. We got uh, 
Steve Holman and uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie on the call. Uh, Hawks are in Portland tonight. As of right now, the only name that we had the other day on the injury report is uh, Trey Young. So we'll see if he plays or not uh, tonight. Certainly need him uh, on the court and certainly need to get off to a good start on this West Coast road trip. The first of five games on the West Coast. And it'll be all the non-California teams that they will be playing. So we'll take it till 930 at that point and uh, we'll hand it off to pregame coverage of everything. So we know now, and this was actually just put out uh, 12 minutes ago from uh, Adam Schefter, that um, Todd Munkin is going to interview for the open Buccaneers offensive coordinator job. Uh, It says here that Munkin is a strong candidate to take his old job with a new head coach. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, uh, you know, he stayed. Okay, well, if he was fully committed to Georgia, he wouldn't be taking the interview. But anyway, he may take the interview and then decide that Georgia is a better deal, but he's intrigued. And he wants to be a head coach again, okay? No problem in that. And maybe he wants to get back in the NFL as an offense coordinator. I don't have any problem with that, okay? But this fait accompli that, oh, well, he would never leave our program. Eh, okay. Guys leave all the time, right? Dan Quinn interviewed for three jobs and decided that he was going to go back to the Cowboys. So either he didn't get a contract offer from Dan for, for any of the NFL jobs or he decided that it was in his best interest to stay with the Cowboys and be their D.C. That's different than, oh, he'll never leave and – you know, they could pay him whatever. Okay, but guys want challenges, right? Could Steve Spurrier have asked for any price from University of Florida? And he took the Redskins job, right? Guys leave all the time for things. But here's the deal, okay, when it comes to the Georgia offense coordinator position. And this is an old axiom that I've said forever and a day for the 10-plus years that I've been on radio. And I've said this a hundred times on college football game time with Randy Mack and Chris Goforth. When you are Georgia, two things. Number one is you go steal somebody's coach. Okay? When you're at the level of a program, you know, Southern Cal stole somebody else's coach. When you're at the level of program that the University of Georgia is right now and the top of the mountain, you go steal somebody's coach, whether it's head coach, offense coordinator, defense, whatever it is that you need to feel, you go take somebody's coach. I shouldn't say steal. You take somebody's coach because there's no better place to be than the University of Georgia. You're the offensive coordinator for... You know, the Michigan Wolverines, okay, I go take your coach and bring him to Georgia, whatever it is, right? And the other thing is, you won't have to go looking for an offensive coordinator if Munkin decides to leave. Your phone will be ringing. You won't have to search out, guys. You won't have to put a firm together uh, of of, uh, a marketing firm or whatever together to find an OC. They'll ring your phone. 
The the new AD was it Josh Brooks? He'll go one ringy dingy, two ringy dingy, and he'll answer the phone. Guys will come looking for you when you're at that level, and that's the benefit to being Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. That's the benefits of being those. You can take somebody's coach or your phone will be the one that's ringing. You won't have to pick up the phone and, you know, dial a number and reach out and touch somebody. They'll come touching you. They'll come contacting you about your job. That's the benefit of being in the position that the University of Georgia is in. And so whatever the answer is, look, I said all through the the playoff run, Todd Munkin is one of the best play callers in all of America. He's one of the top play callers in all of football, college, pro, high school, whatever. But he's an elite coordinator. I think he was the finalist for the Broyles Award winner last year for the top assistant coach in the country. He's an elite play caller. And part of why Stetson has been so successful is because he's got a guy like Todd Munkin as his OC. Not all the reason, but certainly a definite factor in why Stetson Bennett, who, you know, was in and out of the program and this and that, and, you know, he wasn't 17 stars and everything like that. Wasn't a seven-star quarterback coming out of high school in the Tokyo Dome or whatever, right? Won one of those top guys. But Todd Munkin has certainly had an, a hand in influencing how good Stetson was. And, yes, it will definitely be a loss. You know, there's no doubt about it. You know, there, there are some guys that you go, look, Ohio State did the same thing last year. They went and got Jim Knowles, who was a finalist for the Broyles Award. He was the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, was a finalist to be the assistant coach of the year for their defensive performance, right? They were a play away from being in the playoffs. You know, if they beat Baylor, they were in the playoffs or whatever happened and all that kind of stuff. And Ohio State said, hey, um, we want that guy. We want Jim Knowles. We'll go take him. And that's what you do when you're the University of Georgia. You take those guys or you sit back and let your phone ring. So I know that Georgia's going to get one of the top offensive coordinators in the entirety of college football because there's not a better place to be than in Athens, Georgia right now if you're a college coach. And maybe Munkin will decide to stay, maybe after he interviews and things like that. You don't take the interview if you're not interested in the job, okay? Do you think think that Todd Munkin would interview for a USFL job to get back to professional football? Do do you think that that he would – do you think that he would – uh, interview for the uh, um, an offense coordinator position in the XFL. No, it have to be the right position, or you don't interview. 
And these guys probably turn down more interviews than, than they actually take. So he still may be at Georgia when all is said and done. But he's definitely interested. You don't take that interview. You don't fly down to Tampa and meet with them to waste their time. Because if you're, if you're just going down there to waste time with the head coach, the owner, the general man, with all those people, if you're just wasting their time, they're not going to have a whole lot of, you know, positive things to say about you at that point. And they're not going to look favorably upon wasting their time just because you, you want to go down and do an interview or whatever like that. So he's definitely interested. But he still may end up staying. But Georgia will still come out good on the other side of this. If Munkin decides to leave, if he decides to take the Buccaneers' OC job or something like that, Georgia will still come out good on the other side. Because first off, they have all the best players. So that's the number one thing. In college football, if you have all the best players, then you're going to certainly be one of the top programs in the country. And then, you know, <laughs> you recruit more of the best players or, or you know, you go into a system that has a culture and is the best program in the country right now. It's got the culture and the coach and everything set up for ultimate success. So Georgia will come out either on the winning end of Todd Munkin deciding to stay and he's going to stay at the University of Georgia, or if they have to go look for an offensive coordinator, they'll get their pick of the litter. And if that's a young mind, whatever it is, they'll, they'll have several options available to them. Or they may, you know, do it internally. You know, Mike Bobo's out there. You know, they, uh, they hired Will, you know, Will Muschamp came back in the fold. Maybe Mike Bobo will, but again, Georgia won't have to worry about who their offensive coordinator is going to be at the end of the day. Guys will leave their programs, and they'll come knocking on Georgia's door. And I hope I hope Munkin stays. I do. I mean, I think he's an elite play caller. I think he's a, a definite influence on what that offense is becoming. You know, we, we saw Stetson Bennett with, I think, the most passing yards. I think he had the most cumulative yards and most passing yards of any Georgia quarterback in history. You know, they're not three yards in a cloud of dust anymore. You know, they, they've certainly made their bones of being able to throw the football. And if you get a dynamic quarterback in there that can really open it up, you know, we've just seen stretches where Alabama has had all their best quarterbacks in the history of the program. We've just seen a stretch where, you know, when it was Taj Boyd to Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence, Clemson had all their best coaches, or best quarterbacks, I should say, in the history of their program. We could be looking for the same thing at Georgia. Stetson's legacy will never be broken, you know, unless somebody wins three national titles, but his legacy is set in stone. But he was a guy that was very productive for that program and did a lot of really good things over the last couple of years. So Georgia will be just fine. They'll come out, you know, smelling like a rose when all is said and done. Either Munkin stays, or if he goes, they'll have their pick of the litter of offensive-minded coaches. The calls probably have already started. Once the reports came out, I'm pretty sure the calls, you know, of 
sharing interests. They already started. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's how things work. I mean, you know, look, if there's any chance that that job could come open, guys are going to line up out the door, right? They'll have to, like, you know, get those paper number, like, from the uh, deli counter. You know, they, like, take the paper number thing out there. And the digital number yeah, pops calling, up on the Calling, thing. Yeah. you know, paging number 73, number 73. Oh, that's me. Yeah, that's how they do it. Again, Ohio State just did this. They just took Jim Knowles. They said, we want Jim Knowles our quarterback. Well, he's not available. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, no, he's he's coming over to Ohio State. So, anyway. All right, when we get back, it will be time for What's Bugging Chuckery. I think I'm the one that lost sleep over the NBA referees' tweets. Crazy story here about the NBA referees and what all they missed and everything. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 92 and the Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios. Going to take it till 9.30. Then we can hand it off to Hawks basketball. Hawks are in Portland tonight for the first of this five-game road trip, the West Coast Swing, where they play the non-California team. So the uh, Portland Trailblazers, Utah, Phoenix, you know, the Denver, all those good teams. And they finish up with New Orleans uh, to wrap up their – Kind of Western Conference swing, not really a West Coast game in New Orleans, but West Western Conference team nonetheless. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, apps how you catch us on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMCH316 on my Twitter page. Day-Day producing the show tonight. We'll get to a uh, What's Bug and Chuckery here in just a few minutes. Uh, top of the hour. We will review the Royal Rumble, and I'll just say that that was one of the best pay-per-views I've seen in 25 years, and and it had arguably maybe the best ending for a pay-per-view that has happened in a really long time, and it's crazy to think because the Royal Rumble match wasn't the last thing that went on. You know, I think it's the first time since maybe 98 that the men's Royal Rumble match wasn't the final thing on the show. Um, In that year, it was Undertaker and Shawn Michaels in the casket match that closed out the uh, the show where Shawn Michaels hurt his back and, you know, he wrestled at WrestleMania to get through it, and then he was never seen. Well, he wasn't seen for, what, four years till 2002 that he left the company and all that kind of stuff. So we'll talk about that coming up at the – Top of the uh, the hour, so and we talked earlier in the show about how important this West Coast road trip is for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, certainly this could be a defining moment for you know this stretch of this these games, this five game set here for the Hawks. It could certainly be you know a you know defining moment for it because when you look at and you look at the fact that they're fifty games in. So 32 games, 61 
just about 61% of the way through their schedule. You'll be at two-thirds of the way through the schedule when this road trip wraps up. And, you know, you're running out of games very quickly. And if you can't start to make some hay in the standings, and certainly the Hawks have not been as good a home team as they were last year. They've been better on the road than than last year. But, you know, they're hovering around that 500 mark, and you have this kind of jumbled mess with these teams right now. You know, the Knicks are a game and a half up on the Hawks. The Wizards and the Bulls are a game and a half behind the Hawks, right? The uh, Hawks are two games above uh, Indiana, you know, and then, you know, you start to get into, okay, you know, if you're looking at a number six seed, you're two and a half games back from a number six seed. So there's a jumbled mess. You know, Cleveland is what? Five games ahead of the Hawks at number five. So when you look at Miami, New York, Atlanta, Washington, Chicago, and Indiana, you know, there's only four and a half games total that separate those, what, six teams? And if, if you want to extrapolate it even more, five games that separate seven teams um, with Toronto in the mix there as well. So, you know, it we say that it's a lot of basketball yet to be played, and, you know, the season drags out forever and a day because, you know, we've got the all-star break, and, you know, we're not even through that part of it yet, yet but still – from a quantity of games, this thing comes along pretty, pretty quickly. You know, this this thing will wrap up, uh, you know, fairly quickly. And then we'll get into the playoffs, and, you know, that'll last for four months until, you know, football season. So, anyway, you know, we, 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 have, we have most of spring baseball and all the way till you know, pro football starts that, you know, we've got the NBA playoffs to last us for, you know, the next nine months or – whatever like that. Then they take off like what? 20 30 minutes, you know, that they that they take they from the end of the regular from the end of the playoffs, the NBA champion is crowned and then they have like 20 30 minutes before they're back in training camp or whatever. Yeah, it's still yeah, it's 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 pretty short, but I still say well, we all know MLS has the shortest. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they literally get like like an hour and a half. Right. Like they go on a coffee break and grab some lunch, and then they're back in the you know training. Right. I mean, so. But yeah, NBA is like right behind. Them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it, it's like the never-ending season of of the regular season the NBA. So anyway, but um, but we're uh, we're chucking right along. So fifty games in thus far. All right. Uh, before we get anywhere else, let's get to something we call what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So the official NBA referees have a Twitter page. Did you know this, Day Day? No, I didn't. They have 124,800 followers and i bet a lot of comments on there are probably uh more negative than anything well yeah they um I, i'm sure that the the comments um but you know they they tweet out different things like you know showing people what are fouls and different things like that so they put out a tweet yesterday 
And, of course, this goes back to LeBron and the non-foul that was called. Um, who was it? Was it? Was it? Uh, it was against Boston. Yeah, it was against Boston. Yeah. But the, the, the player that um, I don't was it Tatum? I don't think it was Tatum. I can't remember. It might have been Tatum. It, it might have been Tatum. I, it, I think it was. I think it was Jason. Yeah. Jason Tatum. But you know, LeBron didn't get the foul call, and the Lakers end up losing the game late. Right. So the NBA referees put out a tweet that says, "Like everyone else, referees make mistakes." We made one at the end of last night's game, and that is gut-wrenching for us. This play will weigh heavily and cause sleepless nights as we strive to be the best referees we can. So you mean to tell me that every NBA referee across the league, no matter whether they had the Detroit Pistons and... The Indiana Pacers game, whatever, whatever. Take two of the worst teams in the NBA. You think that those referees in the NBA are losing sleep over what happened against the Celtics and the Lakers? So every referee is losing sleepless nights. And whoever runs the Twitter account, like, I'm curious as to who runs the Twitter account for the NBA referees. Because, again, yes, referees make mistakes. But you all want robots and electronics and all these gadgets and gizmos and stuff like that. And it still doesn't make it better. Because why can't you either review the play or whatever, right? I mean, you can't sell me on all the technology that we have and then we don't use it. And, well, the excuse is we don't want eight-hour games and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but you want if, if, you're, if you're so adamant about getting it right. Like, this does the NBA no good. This, does, this is not – the NBA doesn't benefit from all of this. The NBA officials certainly don't benefit from it. And what's the, um, what's the term um, – ratio right on Twitter that when you have more comments than likes on a tweet like you really do your it's a bad tweet right it's considered a bad tweet so they have eight eight thousand eight hundred thirty eight likes on this tweet they have nine thousand nine hundred twenty one comments on it so right when the comments are higher than the than the likes and all that or the retweets or whatever because they also have 10,500 retweets or quote tweets or whatever they are okay hell that's more than steak shapiro anyway i kid i kid i kid i kid they got ratioed harder than him now anyway you know how many um views this tweet had or what what do they call this thing the 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 interactions the no um, it's it's the number of views the impressions it's, it's, altogether yeah, yeah no it's well it, it says views on it okay, okay yeah you know like they have that little thing they have now on twitter like they have your comment your mm-hmm. retweets your likes and then they have the number of views that the tweet had 
They had nine and a half million views on that tweet. So again, you know, the NBA referees <laughs> didn't do themselves any favors by putting all of this out there. They might have had sleepless nights. Let me tell you what they're going to have. They're going to have a whole crap ton of uh, NBA officials that are going to come down probably on them and be like, guys, we can't be putting this kind of stuff out there. You know, we, we can't, you know, we made a mistake. Okay. We, 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 you know, fix it. And, you know, for the next time, move on or whatever. But now it's in cyberspace or whatever, right? Now it's out there for the whole public viewing to mock and criticize and call ridiculousness on. And and by the way, that, what is it, the last two-minute report, that doesn't do anything good for the NBA either. Oh, yeah, we screwed up at the most important time of our game, but we just want to let you know, we're not going to fix it. We're not going to do anything differently. At least the NFL just moves on. You know what? The guy pushed Mahomes out of bounds when he was standing out of bounds. We just move on. We'll take the criticism, and they'll call it rigged or whatever like that, but our officials won't go out there and tweet that, you know, they they are heartbroken over what happened there. This is like they lost a puppy. We're going to have... Sleepless nights, and it weighs heavily on our mind. I mean, you would think that they were the ones that had a stroke. Anyway, yeah, not a good not a good moment for the NBA officials, the NBA referees association. I'm I'm just more I'm just more gobsmacked that they have 125,000 tweets. I wonder how or 125,000 followers. I wonder how many followers they picked up just for people to mock them. You know, like, did they pick up, like, 20,000 followers over the last couple of nights for them to be mocked and everything like that? So, anyway, that's what's uh, bugging Chuckery. All right, we get back from the top of the hour. We will uh, have a review of the Royal Rumble, um, one one of the best pay-per-views I've seen in arguably maybe 20, 25 years. They... The WWE got this thing right. We'll be back top of the hour. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 9 on the Game, Odyssey.com app.